Sinner Boys to Sinner Men, episode six. Fab. Fab. Fantastic. Fantastic. Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you? Hope you're well, uh, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Mm. Who's this to my right? Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I thought you were going to actually introduce me, but oh, you, yeah. just, you just looked at me. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I forgot this isn't a visual medium. No. <laughs> visual way of, uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Alfie Martin, back in the podcasting hot seat. Thanks for keeping my throne warm. Yes, mm. indeed. <laughs> uh, he is back with us today to talk about The Fablemans. Steven Spielberg's semi-autobiographical exploration of his, uh, what would you say, sort of his love for the medium? Yeah, yeah, and his childhood as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about that, of course. Lovely. We're also going to talk about, as the film is semi-autobiographical, we're going to discuss the semi-autobiographical film. And you, Alfie, wanted to talk about sort of late era sort of directors established directors sort of reflecting on their work with yeah a sort of later effort yeah definitely um we'll get into that a little bit later on i think yes nice. good well plenty of stuff to get into so mm. uh, strap in Questing the cinematic void. okay then so the semi-autobiographical film ben shoot right okay uh so i wanted to talk about uh this is england Okay. So it's quite well known Shane Meadows movie from 2006. Uh I think it's one of the best examples of a semi-autobiographical piece of filmmaking. Uh just cuz kind of I guess because it comes from a place of sort of frank and brutal honesty. So almost an expression of nostalgia for a time uh for a time uh 1980s but also regret an expression of regret as well. So, uh, yeah, so Shane Meadows, the director, has been very open about the fact that this was based on his own experience of uh, sort of being drawn into the sort of skinhead subculture in 1980s okay. England. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very similar to the way the main character, Sean, was in the film. Um, so, yeah, his, his newfound group of friends, given sort of a very isolated, troubled and kind of bullied Sean a sort of a new lease of life as he finally experiences a sense of sort of belonging and acceptance mm-hmm. for perhaps, you know, the first time since his dad died in the Falklands War. So it's a very sort of sombre, reflective film. I sort of, I feel like it's, you know, Shane Meadows, you know, far from deifying his younger self as some kind of angelic, innocent, blank canvas, mm-hmm. he actually sort of expresses an admission of like heartbreaking naivety really as he gets manipulated by the darker aspects of a subculture and sort of willingly partakes in acts of like islamophobic violence not mm. because of the values that he holds because but because he's too whole he's too young to kind of hold any values of his own i guess okay um and i think a lot of semi-autobiographical films tend to romanticize the sort of young incarnation of the writer or director <laughs> yeah yeah um and uh, this sort of does the complete opposite. It's just, it's really frank about the imperfect nature of like coming of age. And it's sort of a Shane Meadows kind of admitting that his path to becoming an artist wasn't about absorbing like a creative medium. It was about straying into a kind, accepting, but also ultimately sort of fiercely nationalistic world. And, uh, you know, got to th- <laughs> thank that he didn't, continue down that path (laughs) continue down that path really but yeah it's just a wonderful example of like fleshed out three-dimensional characters with really like abrasive flaws and um you know that notably includes its main character who is a version of young young meadows for sure yeah i love that that's really good i really like that little uh intro little spiel there very nice just sort of diving into the, the you know the idea of uh, semi-autobiographical films I think it would be interesting to start uh, with one that has nothing to do with film at all like, I yeah, just, yeah yeah but I think it's yeah. cool in the sense that it cool it's mm. cool no it's it's great that he sort of explores that aspect of when you're younger you know being imperfect and being susceptible mm. to sort of belief systems and ideas purely because you just want to fit in yeah. I think we can all attest to a time in our childhoods where we probably did things we weren't that pleased with Mm. Uh, and you know and that's all just because you want to fit in and I think that's a really interesting angle to take yeah and I also think it's really interesting that you sort of mentioned the idea that um so many of these filmmakers when they get reflective it doesn't tend to be negative really does it about yeah, them no, not so really. the idea that <laughs> Meadows would be honest about that mm. I think only not only suits the film but I think it gives that sort of 
I don't know. I don't know. It gives the reflective nature of the film a bit more sort of potency. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's quite a timeless film as well, and it's sort of. It, it's not black and white. Is it? it's not actually really trying to say that much at all. It's just it's just an expression of a story. Yeah. <laughs> um. And obviously, you know, you could argue that it's slightly left leaning, but I don't think that's what it's concerned with chiefly at all. No. Yeah. Agreed. There you go. Good film. I've not seen it in a very long time. My memory of it's a bit hazy because mm. I know the TV shows was very well received as well, wasn't it? The subsequent TV show. Yeah, they were a bit. They were a bit lighter. Um, okay. The film is very like it's got Inaudi. Inaudi's on the soundtrack. Like a lot on of the sort series. Of, no, on the film. Oh, God, um, God, so long ago since and I've like, seen there's it. a really nice cover of uh, "Please, Please, Please Let Me Get What I Want" as well. At the I end. guess mm. the films are kind of ref- like showing him growing up, and he, he's not that kid that's kind of tearing between two different things. So you, the, the series allows him to kind of show a bit more humor and 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 to be a bit more light. And and I think yeah. it's naturally the the nature of that long form content that yeah. there's more room for kind of humor and stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. Cause they are, they are harrowing the, uh, the specials that he did, but they're, they're good as mm. well. I, I, I think Shane Meadows has done that a lot as well. He, t- he tends to reflect on his own life mm. a lot in his filmmaking, but I think, I don't think he does it better than in this is England. Yeah. Really. No. That's definitely his best film. I think his sense of place is always really strong as well, isn't it? I was mm. thinking like dead man's shoes, which is actually not too far from my neck of the woods. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. That's oh, it's a yeah, yeah. harrowing movie but that sense of place and almost how that sense of place has a relationship with the sort of more tragic elements of the film not obviously the obviously the main thrust of the film is is especially difficult to get through but just yeah. the sort of more comedically tragic gangsters that run that little drug organization <laughs> i don't know that sense of place just helps him reinforce yeah. those themes and ideas and the yeah. execution of tone so much more i think mm. more effectively oh. agreed uh Okay, well, I was going to mention uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. Yeah, yeah. a filmmaker that I mean, me and Alfred were joking beforehand with the exception of <laughs> There Will Be Blood. There Will Be Blood, yeah. Well, I think yeah. we've talked about it before about, about, about him. Phantom Fred as well. Yeah, yeah Phantom yeah. Fred, yeah, these period pieces that are a yeah. bit out of his uh, age range. I don't think it would be amiss to say that the vast majority of his films, with those notable exceptions, are incredibly personal to him. Yeah, I think so, yeah. He, he kind of treads the same themes as well there's a, the, the absent father figures as, as well which I guess Spielberg is yeah. uh, notorious mm-hmm. for kind of addressing mm-hmm. and and again you, I think you mentioned like the San Fernando Valley setting yeah, or the yeah. LA setting predominantly I think most of his films are set in, yeah. in Los Angeles mm. yeah yeah Magnolia Boogie Nights and obviously Licorice Pizza yeah, yeah. definitely set there so yeah going back to what you're saying about Shane Meadows the, the the idea of semi-autobiography via a, a setting and a yeah place, not necessarily a character, but just a, a continual expression of nostalgia via location. Location, yeah. yeah. Why do you think he sets his films always there? Do you think it's because we we mentioned this before with in regards to Mark Jenkins, we talked about Enies Men, and we were discussing this idea of is will he ever move? his films away from Cornwall. Uh, yeah. Why do you think filmmakers are drawn to their sort of locations of their, not just their birth, but where they sort of, where most of their formative moments seem to occur, their hometowns? What do we think about with, that? With Anderson, I mean, so much of, I mean, Boogie Nights is an interesting film because it is about filmmaking, but it's through the lens of being pornographic, like porn- pornography. Mm. Um, so he's talking about the process of making films in adult entertainment so LA makes sense that you would set it in in an area like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Magnolia is 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 I guess a little bit more cryptic as to why, but I think I feel I guess there's a there's a, something that you, draws you to what you know. Um, yeah. And you know he has occasionally ventured further afield. The Masters set in parts partly in London and mm. um, all over America, I guess. Uh, and then obviously. Phantom Fred is entirely set in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there will be blood. Is I'm presuming probably California because it's about like yeah the oil boom. oil boom yeah. and all that kind of thing. But he definitely draws back to these same locations uh, ultimately, especially with um, Licorice Pizza, which is mm. a really biographical film. I think yes. because it seems to reflect what he <clears throat> would have known, and and it almost feels like a kind of an encapsulation of that singular idea so it makes sense that he would go back to it mm. later mm. on uh, after, over years of reflection I mm. think it's just you write what you know though ultimately isn't it yeah yeah. I also think it might be something to do with the fact that 
it looks nice on film. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. it just yeah. like it's so flat. And, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for like that aspect ratio, like you know the the cinematic one, like the whole like everywhere you look is is just like vista vision almost. It's so yeah, like, it's just landscape everywhere. It's almost so. like the landscape has been sort of sculpted by the sort of industry. Yeah, yeah, by filmmakers. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's crazy. Yeah, it's an interesting mm. thought. Mm. I also like that sort of the sense of time mm. as well in that sort of semi-autobiographical work. Obviously, with Paul Thomas Anderson, he was around in that era, very young. Mm. Um, and I think we mentioned in a previous episode, but I really like, particularly in How in Licorice Pizza, that sense of time is almost like a, it's like a constant backdrop mm. that yeah. never sort of invades the narrative particularly. Yeah. Obviously, you can talk about the sort of maybe aspects of like the, the gender roles of the characters being linked, obviously, to the time. Yeah. But like, you know, the, the news in the background stuff going on and... And, and the oil prices yeah. it's all in the background and it and it feels in a way i don't know like it, it it gives it that sense of place more than it would be if the characters were addressing it directly and it feels more sincere than um another i guess you could argue semi-autobiographical but i think he's maybe a little bit too self-indulgent to really do it but tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood mm. which is obviously his reflection of his childhood but it, it ultimately can't help but fall into the same problems of his other his, mod, his later films yeah right okay yeah i'm coming up the mask <laughs> off for tarantino because I, I do not like that film um and not? No, right. no i don't i think it's probably his worst film oh wow okay um, and, and ultimately it's because of the last 10 minutes of that movie right just, okay it falls apart because the flamethrower it, thing yeah yeah it's, it's absurd i know it's tarantino but it's, it's almost like like he was like, I'm going to make a grown-up movie. And then he just, oh, oh no, this is boring. People won't like it kind of thing. It's like, he, mm. he, I think he lacked uh, confidence with that that movie to a degree. Uh, Interesting. I think if he had done it from a perspective of a younger character that idolises this era, because clearly he does, then maybe we would have had an interesting thing. Instead, he's got these characters that like, are basically just a walking Tarantino's. Like, you know, everyone speaks the same and... His dialogue is. It's, it, we, I think we've said this before. I mean, I quite like some time in Hollywood, but I, I remember a really long time ago, maybe when we were still at university, talking about Aaron Sorkin and about oh, how everyone, how even though his dialogue is good, it's it's so difficult not to imagine him saying it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, saying it through the character. You know, yeah. and, and it gets to that point where all of his characters just sound like extensions of him. Mm, I think Tarantino does. Yeah, I never. Th- yeah, I never quite thought of it in the same way as Sorkin, but I can completely see that actually. Mm. Even so, though I quite like it, works it. though. So when his films are heightened, it makes sense. But yeah, they, yeah. he he said he wanted that to be a hangout movie, which to me brings to mind like Days and Confused or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, and it almost is, but he just can't help but like indulge his worst impulses. Like yeah. let's kill Charles Manson's like yeah, let's, like hand uh, gang members or whatever. Like, yeah. like that, yeah, let's know? twist history because yeah. I'm Tarantino and I must do that exactly. Yeah. Whereas Licorice Pizza is a really sincere and honest reflection of a time that isn't necessarily a good time. No. Mm. You know, it might be fondly remembered, but it there's things that evidently remind us why it was difficult, which I think Fableman's also does very well. Mm. Agreed, yeah. I, I like the idea of sort of how we've talked about it before in our sort of nostalgia episode, um, about how nostalgia can obscure imperfection, you know? And yeah. and I think that it's interesting that you mentioned Tarantino in that context because there is an argument there for once more time in Hollywood that you know, he he's definitely so nostalgic for this time, which obviously for film buffs like us is a really important time, right? Yeah. I mean, the birth of New Hollywood um, and some of the great films that, you know, you just fall in love with, you know? And, definitely. But there's a lot of difficulty in political... There's a lot of issues in that time mm. that perhaps are not really acknowledged at mm. all. Mm. Um, and I, I guess you could argue, well, that's not really what the film's about, but... I think to sh- to throw so much reverence on something, you know, you can understand why people would be critical of mm. not addressing some of the more difficult yeah. and more troubling aspects of that period of history. Do you think that that a semi autobiographical film is likely to be more successful if there's a degree of like criticism to that period, much like this is England? Um, mm. As you say, he doesn't sugarcoat even his own. Yeah, character, which is a you know a, yeah. a cipher for him, and his own and his own vices and his own sort of failures. Or although he's he was a boy, yeah, like he doesn't shy away from that. I I think I don't know successful in terms of like more people seeing it, but I think yeah, no, I don't. I, I think that. they hold. I think they hold water more water over time. Yeah, mm. agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was thinking of 
uh, an example is 400 Blows, obviously. Mm. Francois Truffaut did several films with the same actor, didn't mm-hmm. he? Is it Antoine yeah. Don- Donnell? Yeah, Antoine Donnell, yeah, I think. Probably bastardising the pronunciation. <laughs> oh, yeah, can't we don't do research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it King Catrell? That's <laughs> um, no, Gene Smart. <laughs> but he worked with that actor again and again, mm. and he kind of, and obviously 400 Blows. I mean, that movie came out in, what, 1959 or something, and mm. it's, Mm. It's the benchmark for the semi-autobiographical film in mm. that, like, yeah. you know, it even ends with him on a beach. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, like, yeah. Shane Meadows, I'm sure, is very aware of that as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel like that movie is remembered fondly because it doesn't shy away from showing things what's and all kind of yeah. in the critical. Yeah, and I think being critical will, will open up to, like, this other area of discussion about modern time i guess you know reflecting Mm. on the socio-economic issues of then and now so if you do it properly it can be the gateway to that uh we sort of criticized babylon for the way it sort of threw those elements in yeah there was a few scenes in that film which tried to sort of approach the darker aspects of the sort of 20s 30s but it can't help but kind of be reverential to that yeah so it just sort of like they just sort of threw them in so I, I don't know what you take for it. That we're, we're never satisfied in that department. No. I, don't I don't know. know I, but... I felt that I thought that was just slightly prescriptive. That that throwing in of the of those issues because okay. the vast majority of it just was un, totally unconcerned with them. Yeah, I think maybe that that was the problem. Is it, is it was a kind of an obligation? It was because yeah. it didn't fought out. Maybe yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, mm. yeah. I guess it's just it has to be there. Uh, uh, inception and through and designed into the film as opposed to just kind of dropped in at the last minute yeah mm. yeah agreed yeah, i haven't yeah. seen babylon either, so i can't comment my opinion is still very much the same here sometimes I'll, I, th- I think about this quite a lot like i'll we'll discuss a film and really fucking like hammer it mm. and then i'll and a few weeks later i think actually yeah but that hasn't happened with babylon <laughs> no. if, if anything, my opinion sort of stayed the same mm. yeah me too actually Link later, Richard Link later. Yeah, I mean, like Slacker's very. Mm, I mean, that's just yeah. looks like a snapshot of his life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he he interestingly revisit. I mean, obviously the before films is probably mm, the best. Yeah, 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 definitely. He's that revisiting was... the same characters, mm-hmm. the mm. same at different perspectives in his life. That mm. that ends up being a broader picture of kind of what would you call it? Um, Self reflection, I guess, mm-hmm. and very autobiographical. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. that there's that story of um, you know for the for the before sunrise, mm. uh, he met a woman in a toy shop in Philadelphia and spent the whole night walking around with her, and that's, that's right. that was why he that wrote never that happened film. to me. I know it's bizarre. Not I need it to now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Georgia. I just I just I just mean that you know that kind of stuff never happens to or you know yeah it feels filmic, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And yeah. that's because of people like Linklater. But I'm not I'm not denying it didn't happen. Cause well, he's, seems like a lovely. We don't know for sure. Color. That's that's why you're a bullshitter, anyway. Richard. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Calling you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't go to walk with anyone. <laughs> that's an interesting point. I, I I as far as I know as well, the third film was so difficult for them to make that. It kind of killed any chance of them ever doing another one because oh, they really. had so many severe falling outs. Uh, I think it was particularly Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. I might have read, I might have made this up, but I'm pretty sure I've read that. that exclusive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the boys, my friend Ethan Hawke told me. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, no, I remember reading something like that, and, oh, and really? it was a really rough production. Um, oh wow, I wasn't aware because I mean, it, they wrote it together, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Because mm. he has a very he has that process with all three films, doesn't he? They almost co-write. But I was never aware of the. There being genuine issues. I think it was just the the, the tensions in there because obviously they're writing about their own lives, mm. and that movie did pr- yeah. sort of suggest marriages that are kind of on the rocks to a degree, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Particularly that third one, it's not very romantic. No, um, compared yeah. to Before Sunset, mm. which is like you know one oh, of the most God. romantic films yeah. ever made. I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you're not getting that in that plane. Exactly. Oh man, yeah, it's a beautiful yeah, film. So I might have to re-record that because I think I said nat nat playing. <laughs> no, leave it in. And then nice. cut from here and have me go. Ben, you messed that line up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing oh. I particularly really like about Linklater is how he tr- sort of treats time yeah. in his films. Um, and this might be a bit of a stretch here, and this is, might sound like we're just throwing it into sort of get films film student points, points. but uh, <laughs> I was watching an Ozu film yesterday. Ooh, oh, well, you oh, know. Yeah, dirty boy. Mm. Um, and it sort of reminded... 
it sort of reminded me of how you know the similarities to how they sort of treat time it's almost like you're dipping into their own memories mm-hmm. you know what i mean like so it's like these interactions that have sort of seemingly little consequence end up becoming these formative moments in your life purely through the act of reflection yeah. later on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something I really love about Linklater. And of course, Ozu is one of my absolute favourites. But, you know, Linklater, you know, he does that so well, particularly in the sort of experience of youth and how everything's so fast and fragmented and yeah. There's, yeah. there's so little concern about the future. It's all about the then and now. And it just ties in beautifully with that that approach to sort of time. That's lovely. I haven't never really considered Linklater's perspective uh, as specific as that, but I think you're right. I think he he even plays with time as a format, like, not to like as explicit a degree as someone like Chris Nolan, but like mm. the like before sunset is real time. Um, yeah, before sunrise and midnight, I don't think are. Uh, I might be getting the order of them wrong, but one of them is set in real time. I'm, <laughs> yeah, the middle one is. Yeah, yeah the, the one in Paris because that's yeah. the short one, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. one. It's like one long memory. Almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And then obviously, Boyhood has done that. He's done yeah. a similar mm. thing there. And yeah. Yeah, he definitely has a sort of uh, and uh, um, I mean, what was that one? Everybody wants some. That's kind of this, mm-hmm. that acts as a nice kind of. I've not seen that. Oh, mate, it's, it's good. It's actually really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised um, how good that was. It's acts as a sort of companion piece to Dazed and Confused, my personal favourite of his. Oh, which yeah. has yeah. both have that kind of hazy memory of like mm. your last, like those 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 either those last days or those first days. Mm. Um, but mm. he does do films about days and times and eras and yeah that's that's uh, i love that i really i'd never considered that mm, yeah you learn something when you listen to cineboys yes. <laughs> yeah keep listening please yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah agreed uh i think the, a good this would be a good place to move on to the next sort of area of our discussion which is filmmakers um took the older filmmakers been on you know, been, been around for a while, but they've been on the game. <laughs> the old, uh, been on the take for a while. <laughs> uh, and uh, they get into this sort of their twilight years and they mm. start looking backwards via a film. So they make a movie that looks backwards. Um, yeah. Go on, Alf. You, you, you were the one that sort of... Because this is something I hadn't really considered, which is strange given Fablemans is exactly that. But So I'll, I just want you to sure. well, shoot I mean, that baby. A lot of the filmmakers from that new Hollywood era are obviously now they're in their 70s, 80s, if mm. not passed away, a lot of them have. But, um, yeah. you know, you, you can see a lot of those filmmakers that are, that are still with us, like Scorsese. I mean, his movies now are really long and meditative. Like, mm, if you're talking yeah. about something like Silence, uh, mm. which obviously is a, a deep exploration of, like, what it means to be religious and mm, spirituality, yeah. uh, uh, which obviously is something he's visited throughout his career. Mm. Uh, mm all the way back to Mean Streets, you know, oh, gotcha. um, which is a, mo- a whole movie about questioning your faith. He nearly became a priest, didn't he, himself? He nearly did, yeah. And that's yeah. what Mean Streets, I think, is largely about. Mm. Um, mm. And then so for him to years later make Silence, um, which is a three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour movie about questioning your faith, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. he hasn't let go of that idea. No. <laughs> no. But he instead he's come back and he's arguably made his, his best like look at it, you know. Mm. And then again with The Irishman, which I think maybe is less successful, but... He's defined by his gangster films, right? He's yeah, defined by yeah. the by, well, obviously Goodfellas and Casino because he it's more in that mold. But obviously Mean Streets is a gangster film. Taxi Driver is a crime film, I guess yeah. you can kind of qualify it. Yeah. So, The Irishman, that movie is very sad and very bitter. It is, yeah. Oh god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in terms of looking at what a man like that that lives that life, what what do they really achieve? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think. Spielberg is is definitely doing the same sort of thing. Mm. You know, films that he's made recently, uh, you can argue are all kind of reflections on his own kind of career. You yeah, know, like Ready, like, Ready Player One, I was going to say, just like he had to reference his own films. Exactly. In that, which is like yeah. a pop culture extravaganza. Definitely. Yeah. You know? And he is arguably like, I mean, he is the pop cultural filmmaker, right? Like yeah. he's the sort of signifier of that kind of American pop cinema yeah. you know he produced a lot of the films he didn't direct like back to the future he was yeah. involved in it yeah kind yeah. of thing so he, he, he kind of him and lucas kind of spearheaded the return of the blockbuster in the 70s um mm. and then you know he's still making them now with yeah. films like ready player one which yeah, i think yeah. was a 
pretty big hit. Com- it like was, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I really didn't like it. <laughs> no, I actually haven't seen it, which would have probably helped if I'd have watched it. But, uh... it, it yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but it has it really it's the source material that's the problem, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, I think we, we sort of spoke about this again, not to reference another episode again. <laughs> so we're sort of just plugging ourselves <laughs> until we get a sponsor. That's all we can do. Yeah. <laughs> and for our sponsor, Cinevoice to Cinema. So flight out now. You know, but it's just that sort of constant. I don't know. I feel like that level of nostalgia is it's just it's just poisonous. Yeah, I think it's so poisonous in the movie. It, it, yeah, mm. there's a good shining bit in it. I like the shine, the bit, uh, the shining. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was all right, but it just made me want to watch The Shining. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. all it did. Um, the Iron Giant turns up as well. Yeah, that's like, right. Oh, don't do that to. Yeah, him. I love that. Kind movie. of the start of that yeah. whole metaverse influence on film as well, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it multiverse? Even I don't know which. Oh yeah, is, just but... the, the kind of amalgamation of all the things you know and love yeah. that have come out in the last 20, 30 years, just like all thrown into yeah. one film. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's it, it's another episode. We could do this another yeah, day. Yeah, agreed. It frustrates me to no end this kind of obsession with self-reflexivity in, in Hollywood mm, at the moment. Agreed. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, also just quickly, who, who's the guy that wrote the book? I forgot. Ernest his Klein. Ernest Klein. Oh, Check yeah. out his poem. Oh, link it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Nerd porn auteur. Oh man. Honestly, oh, go online, crazy, re- read that, and tell me this guy isn't a fucking. Gomp. Seriously. <laughs> it's just serious neck beard. Oh, vibes, mate, it's it? so bad. Well, I suppose mean, you'd take incel now. Wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, not to say, we, we try and refrain from being too critical of, of stuff here. I don't but... have to because I'm like a guest. So. Yeah, you come yeah, in yeah. right off of the sunset. Yeah, a fucking loser. You <laughs> <laughs> swear on here. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted to just. Um... Get back to my train of thought, but I've lost yes, it. Thanks to Ernest. Uh, yeah, thanks to Ernest. It was a, it was a, this older filmmaker. I have a theory. I think that like certainly with painters, that as they get older, they kind of they almost hit like a kind of a period of just unrefined excellence, you know. And, yeah. and I think you could yeah. make this the case for a lot of filmmakers, especially kind of auteur filmmakers, if you believe in the theory. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, Kurosawa was making really fascinating films just, towards the end of his life. Just take straight from the brain, man. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, good. Carry on, carry well, on. Well, I was going to talk about Dreams, because Dreams yeah. is a movie, yeah, yeah right, yeah, about yeah. memories. No. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, guys, let's high five. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's like a movie about memories and reflection, and it's something that Kurosawa had been writing down his dreams for, like, mm. his entire life. And I think a lot of his films have that feel anyway, but for him to make a movie at the end of his career just called dreams it's yeah like, it's like david lynch making twin peaks season three and it's just a commentary on everything david lynch has ever made mm. you know there's there's something about when you're la- late into your career that you're kind of drawn towards reflection i think mm. yeah uh, and i think um that was all i really wanted so just no make that point about kind of old great old artists kind of revisiting their yeah, no, I think it's a really fascinating area of discussion. Um, and I particularly like it in the context of The Irishman because it is a really sad movie. Yeah. Mm. And about the nature, just about, you know, facing your mortality, I guess. Yeah, and and yeah. looking back on, like you say, how little you've managed to, how small a dent you've made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, living with what you've done as well. Because again, Scorsese yeah. is very Catholic and, and mm. uh, he judges everyone in his film so harshly that like through <laughs> yeah. the eyes of God, you know, yeah, you will be yeah, judged yeah. in death. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it ends on such a whimper, doesn't it? Like, yeah. I mean it in a good way in the context of The Irishman, but it really does slow down gradually yeah. and it, it, you can't, you, you're forced to age yeah. with with this with Robert De Niro's character I've forgotten his name uh, oh, Frank, yeah, no, no, Frank, Frank Sheeran Frank Sheeran ah, there right. he is yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. do you think of the idea because Frank Sheeran's book uh, I, I Heard You Paint Houses okay, the yeah, source yeah, material yeah, yeah. for the film um uh, basically, he insinuates that he was the guy that killed Jimmy Hoffa. And they know they don't uh, know who yes. killed Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, this is a yeah, complete yeah, yeah. tangent, but what do you think of the fact that this guy basically says, "Yeah, it was me. I was there. I also did this. I, I you know, Bobby Kennedy. I killed him." And like, he's, yeah. he's like the Forrest Gump of gangsters. That's <laughs> yeah. something someone said to me. I always yeah. thought it was really funny. It's like, <laughs> it's strange, it? it's the, if it is true, it's the. the fucking most bizarre way to confess yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah. It is, isn't it so strange and a rambling kind of pot boiler tell all novel yeah, 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 yeah. Scorsese's yeah. like right <laughs> let's bring this to life let's de-age Robert De Niro yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah I think it's really interesting and it, I think it ties in really well with because obviously you know 
Scorsese, um, you know, so much of his filmography explores the sort of uh, intricacies of criminality, organised criminality. Mm. And I think so much of, at least to my mind, so much about the crime film or the gangster film is about frustration. It's always about people that are frustrated and want to do more, want to be more. Definitely. Because that's what criminality is. You And all this organised stuff about family and blood, and it's all just artifice, really. It's just a group of men who, and sometimes women, but in the case of Goodfellas, it's, mostly, yeah, you know, yeah. it's sort of very patriarchal. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's all about frustration yeah. and people climbing on top of each other and, and no one's ever safe. No. And I feel like it really hammered that point home, home really well in yeah, the Irishman. Yeah, Irish yeah, definitely. Yeah, I need to revisit that film actually. It's yeah. a difficult watch. Yeah, yeah it's not least long. of all because the decision to de-age eighty-year-old men was bad. Yeah, it doesn't look great. It is real fast. Some of that, like, there's a bit where. He, where he goes round like his daughter comes home and, and she's like oh the shopkeeper insulted me I can't oh remember. yeah and he goes round to the shop and it's like he's shuffling like an old yeah, man and he goes yeah. in and he's he just like, hunched over isn't he yeah. and he like pushes the guy out and the guy the guy acts so like ah yeah. like, <laughs> he's like flies backwards <laughs> yeah like he's and, made a free bent off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's outrageous man it's like that movie is great and like arguably has some of like the most interesting themes of Scorsese's work that like really deeply dived into but like that one scene almost ruins it for yeah, me yeah yeah it's so uncomfortable to watch yeah yeah you de-aging technology can only do so much right it can't fix posture or no, anything no. like that they should have just put his face on who is it they use the army hammers body double that guy like in uh, josh pence josh pence yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> shout out to josh pence. i just knew yeah, men yeah, would know yeah. that yeah because yeah. <laughs> he was also uh in dark knight rises right as like yeah. a faceless I think he was the young Liam Neeson in that or something. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you they got see the him. same guy in yeah. from the social network. This guy's really talented at not being himself. Yeah. <laughs> Josh uh, Pence. Joshua well, Pence. Yeah. Josh, Shout Pence. out Josh Pence. Yeah, 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 yeah. my man. We'll try and get him on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you would just have to be silent the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good to say he's on here now. <laughs> so I guess that means we can go quite nicely into mm. the Fablemans. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I'm sort of feeling a bit like negative about films recently because the last few we've watched I haven't really enjoyed a great yeah. deal. And I went into The Fablemans expecting to come out feeling the same, that I didn't enjoy it. Um, and I came out and I was so pleasantly surprised. And I know that sounds really condescending given the fact it's fucking Spielberg. Yeah, and you should yeah. never write off Spielberg, which is something I always you know, have to reflect yeah, on when yeah, I come yeah. out of his films. Because yeah. every time I'm like... Well, not every time, you know. He's, you know, he's not can't please everyone. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I was just really, really pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed the film mm. overall. Problems, of course. Yeah, wouldn't be a Cinderboys episode without us going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, overall, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it. I wasn't as keen on it um, as I as as you were. I did really like it overall. I did. Re- I came out and even though it was fairly long, I thought like I was satisfied mm-hmm. I think the strongest points of the film I'll get into this more a bit later but I think the, the film's strengths lie in how it deals with family and family dynamics mm-hmm. and I was a bit more troubled by the way it dealt with him him and his career and his filmmaking okay uh, that that wasn't a, a negative aspect of the film it was just the weaker of the two I thought okay Alfie yeah I mean, I, I, I do really love Spielberg, but he's a filmmaker that I've kind of turned more to as I've gotten older. Mm, like, I yeah, like I agree with a that. lot of his films, but I think there's an element of, like, sacredness about him that made me maybe be a bit more critical of him. Like, but now... Yeah, I, I can get by that. Yeah. Now I kind of watch his movies and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I really get the appeal of this. And, and I think his later stuff he does, like, films like The Post and... They're all quite subdued and, and, mm. and kind of grounded for him. Like Bridge of Spies was, yeah, that's was excellent as well. M- I see. I've not yeah. seen it. I've not. I've not seen Bridge of Spies. It's really good. Yeah, I've been to the actual bridge. Have you? Yeah, that's good. Cool. Lie down on the road with a beer. <laughs> not quite the <laughs> same experience. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember that bit in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark Ryland just, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. dragging himself along. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I am a sucker for these kind of like. Movies about movies, mm, generally, mm. which is why I was so disappointed after listening to your episode that Babylon isn't good, <laughs> or at least by your consent. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of the filmmaker's previous work, but that's besides the point. Um, I, what I knew is that I probably would like this film going in. It is 
very kind of self-congratulatory. You could criticize it for that. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it is also yeah. kind of like honest about what he think, what he deems to be his failures as a person, mm. and also what makes him a great artist, mm. and how maybe those things kind of ultimately balance each other out or even influence each other to yeah, a degree. I, and and that was yeah. something that I loved about that film. Um, yeah. You know, to to hear him sort of say. Yeah, like you're probably going to piss people off by putting art first, kind of thing. Like it's an yeah. interesting, mm. an interesting idea. Cause... Agreed. I sort of came out of it thinking it was about sort of different things about from the art perspective, as sort of as art as escapism, mm. art as control. Yeah, uh, and also how the sort of domestication of the technology that filmmakers use, yeah, the camera, uh, almost sort of erodes the sort of i don't know the sort of fantastical impact of fi- the filmmaking yeah, experience definitely. yeah um for a I, man that makes such kind of fantastical movies and yeah. like ambitious and kind of like fun movies it is very like warts and all about how their process is right it's kind yeah. of boring and it's kind yeah, of like yeah. you know everyone's being dragged into this little kind of little c- control freaks world basically yeah, you know yeah, if you yeah. want like and it's almost like i mean I think when I started to think about this idea of the domestic case of technology, obviously um, a young... I forgot the character. Let's call him fucking Spielberg. Sam, Sammy Fableman. Sammy Fableman. Yeah. Sammy Spielberg, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he gets given a camera. And I guess that's like the beginning of it. Like the technology started out being as something that was used for only a certain sort of strata of people. Mm. And then all of a sudden it can come into the home, into the domestic space. And it's the inclusion of that or the, the bringing of the camera to the domestic space that creates friction between him and his mum because mm-hmm. he identifies, spoilers, his mum's potential infidelities. Yeah. Seth Rogen's yeah, character. Yeah. So I found that really interesting because on the one hand, the film is about, you know, the, the beauty of the silver screen, what's in the frame, mm. the sort of the, the pursuit of um, art, I guess, in a world that isn't really sort of accepting of that, the pursuit yep. of becoming an artist. Uh, and then almost having this fantastical element. I know you sort of had issues with how it frames him as a filmmaker. Yeah. But I quite liked it because it, was a, it felt fantastical and it mm. felt like, I don't know, sort of really sweet and dreamlike, which yeah. really worked for me. But then he, he offsets it with that Definitely. moment of realisation that the camera can actually... It's, it's not just about escapism. It can find things about people you really don't want to know. It's a very Spielbergian metaphor. Yeah, uh, he loves that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, to sort of like, yeah. you know, to use something as a real kind of uh, symbol. Mm. You know, and in this case, it's like a editing a sixteen mil editing deck is like the or an eight mil editing deck is the symbol of like, oh, this the, the camera reveals truth. You know, like yeah, yeah. in the most literal way possible. But it does. You know, like mm-hmm. this is a guy whose movies predominantly had parents with issues you know like yeah. whether it's poltergeist which he did direct yeah <laughs> sort of yeah sorry you know, tobe yeah sorry tobe hooper yeah <laughs> rest in peace but um uh or et or any of these movies where the parents are kind of shown as difficult indiana jones i mean he's got daddy issues in on most of his films you know yeah like, yeah. yeah it almost seems like a, now that he's an older filmmaker he can reflect on it and be like oh yeah i i've probably pissed people off here like, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> you know that, that's i love that metaphor like yeah that 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 harry does that but what is it that you don't that you find it to be a problem then because i'm quite interested to hear yeah. some criticisms of it I, th- I don't know whether it was just the frame of mind I was in when I went to see it, but I thought it was... It, he, he just presented himself as a genius, right? Which he has every right to do, because he is. But mm. he just he refused... He sort of refused to acknowledge that there was privilege there, I thought. I thought he didn't kind of... He, he sort of... The message was that it was, it was na- uh, n- nature, not nurture. And I just don't think that was the case at all i think he was extraordinarily privileged uh to to get where he is now and there wasn't that much of it in the film i just sort of thought i was expecting that maybe and i didn't get it and it was a bit more struggle maybe or Mm. privilege in the sense of financial privilege yeah like the fact that he you know he had a although there was some problems with the family dynamics I think Rich, that you know, he had a safe middle class kind of life. Yeah, and he had access to all this equipment. At one point, his uncle like tries to give him uh, a camera, and like obviously because of the the family stuff, he's like refusing to take it. And I, I don't know. I just thought like it, it was odd to me that 
he just like there was there was a bit where all of his scout friends are just like applauding him, yeah. <laughs> and and then like he, <laughs> there's no acknowledgement that he learnt this stuff. It's like it was in him already. You know? uh, okay, like, and, okay, uh, yeah, and it I just considered that. Yeah, I just thought it, I, it, it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. And there was a bit where <laughs> the school bully, like after sort of tormenting him for ages, although he has some problems with the way he was depicted in the film, he just like offers him a spliff, and it was oh, a bit yeah. like a fan sort of like a fantasy. Of, I think it is though. I think he's yeah. kind of going back and like he's he's papering over the cracks. And, yeah. Like he gets he gets to walk back and hug his mum again. You know. Like yeah. That's get a chance to do that. You know. Like ultimately. Ooh, that's true. You know, I mean, that, maybe it is more fantastical than I. I kind of, but maybe I'm it, thinking too it, much that it's more of a biography. And it is but, called Fablemans. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. 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 meta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it just, to me meta. it was like that, that bit, especially. With, That's with, a fair criticism, though. No, yeah. I agree. And I, I think it's especially because I quite liked the scene with the, the bully. But upon Where's, reflection, Wes Bentley. He's yeah, yeah, like Wes upon, Bentley. Anyway, that's not Wes Bentley. He's like forty. Yeah, but he, look, he does look like the like, yeah, yeah, yeah. aged yeah. Wes Bentley in the role. Yeah, what the hell? My mind. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's right. He he does sort of very articulately sort of is able to express his discontent with Sammy about the how he sort of elevated him as this hero in the film. Yeah, which. Kind of works in the context of this fantasy thing, yeah. but really, I mean, it is a bit strange that he's like, weird, "You're making me look like a hero, and all I've done is bully you." It's like, yeah, yeah. do people really think like that? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe yeah. they do. I don't do, know. Do you think there's a degree of it that, like, because this guy's like this kind of blonde American, like, kind of almost Aryan? Isn't yeah, he? he's like yeah. borderline yeah, yeah. Aryan, but like he's mm. a super handsome kind of leading man looking yeah. guy. Like, yeah, yeah. If the movie had that guy in the lead role, it'd be a Marvel film or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. But yeah. like. Like you think of like the kind of people that he's put through in his films, in like Harrison Ford, another kind of charismatic, handsome kind of guy. Spil- like the whole look of that film is the way he's filming him. He makes him the hero in this yeah. little film. Yeah. Then, which again, you made me a hero. It's like yeah, yeah. it's very on the nose. It's not a subtle yeah. movie, is it? But no. Is it just sort of like a comment that like the director's job is to make handsome men more handsome, just sitting in the back <laughs> I going? Guess, <laughs> I guess maybe that, and also maybe like maybe Spielberg kind of like see like he has to sort of filter everything through the lens of another person doesn't he because yeah like, mm. this is like the first time he's being honest about himself as a filmmaker I suppose. yeah and he's even not even being honest is he no because no. there's that bit at the end of the discussion where like not everything i think the guy says i'm sort of paraphrasing the bully guy says like you know not everything's like a film and then he says to him you're but you've got the leading lady yeah yeah so it's almost like yeah. tied back into the idea which is strange I, i'm not yeah you now you've said that I, it does make me it, feel a bit more uncertain about that scene just, and just yeah. more broadly i guess it's a little bit con- contrived isn't it that like yeah. everything could resolve on one night like, so <laughs> yeah, quickly. yeah i mean this that the, they do make a point of showing that bully's not as bad as the little weird oh you're the um anti-semitic one yeah oh. he's a, like that actor just like yeah. yeah, he just yeah. looks like he's just gonna always play that character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was so happy when he got socked in the face. Oh yeah, I know. He like a... staggers down the hallway. Yeah, imagine was... he might be like forty-eight and still playing those kind of characters. Yeah, I know. That, <laughs> that does happen to some people, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Typecast of the nth degree. Um, yeah. I just thought that scene was a little bit like he'd thought of a response to an argument ten minutes too late. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you're in the shower, like I should have said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 This, yeah. this movie is Spielberg's like shower thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great scene in it with Judd Hirsch, uh, who I think rightfully gets an Oscar nomination just for one scene, basically. And oh. That's the oh, old. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, is it what would he be? An uncle? I don't know. I think he is an uncle, isn't he? Yeah, yeah that's sort of a distant uncle that suddenly appears. Suddenly appears. Sort of like a Cohen-esque appearance. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, what the hell is he doing? Like, Quite surreal. It reminds and... me of the um, appearance of John Goodman in uh, Inside Llewellyn Davis. Oh yeah, he just sort of appears. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. But it doesn't derail the film at all. No, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. and it, it ends up being a really dense well not dense but like apt metaphor for like the film in itself mm. being about you know what what like again we were talking about that the, the, this camera reveals truths like he says something to him about like if you choose to be an artist then you're basically you you can't you can't have it both he effectively says like family or art mm. he says like mm. that's that's what his uncle says to him and you're just like oh man that's a it's a harrowing message a harrowing it, to be given that I, I did like that scene actually. i did that was it was on the nose 100 yeah. but it was it was done in such a way that that didn't bother me. 
No, mm. no, I thought it was it was well done. It's one of those examples of an actor getting a nomination for like one scene. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Michelle Williams does get nominated, and I think she, she earns it. it but yeah, I think Paul Dano deserves it as well. He does a great job in this film. Mm. He's very good at playing sort of slightly pathetic men. I can't yeah, help but always yeah. feel sorry for him. Like, yeah, I always just yeah. Want, like you're just one of the mates. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and in this no. movie, he's so sad. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's just looking at everything sadly. Like, he just yeah. he's strange, isn't he? In the sense that he's obviously a very kind, supportive, and thoroughly decent individual mm. but he's just kind of absent but he's absent yeah, and, yeah. In, in the sense that he can't you know he he's sort of like he can't be angry like yeah. he, he's obviously quite unsure about Sammy's obsession with being a filmmaker yeah. throughout the entire film but it's it sort of bubbles away quietly mm. I mean obviously I don't know if that is reflective of how Spielberg's dad was in real life if that's the case then fine but yeah. I don't know You, he's just someone that he obviously has a lot of things that he keeps on the down low and that ends up being one of the reasons why yeah. he gets divorced isn't it because yeah. it's not I don't know it's he's a strange just, thing to get divorced for but yeah. you can sort of see where Michelle Williams is coming from a little bit her character yeah. I think he's fighting to so much for like a kind of to have this perfect life yeah that he's neglecting yeah. everything yes else like yeah. you know he's neglecting his own wife who has her own interests and things like that and it's, it's just quite it is. It's a very sad movie, ultimately, but it has that lovely Spielberg kind of like sugar yeah. coating. You know, it's like you don't. You can kind of forget some of the more horrible aspects of it, but when you yeah. kind of sit there, it, it, the, the the under the surface, it's kind of everything's rotting, isn't it? Like, yeah. You know, I think that his dad is effectively jealous of the creative brain brain yeah and he he himself is you know you could argue he was a creative himself but it's such a mechanized thing that he, mm. that he's doing and he can't express anything properly as a result of that because his job is clearly just basically it's ones and zeros isn't it it's, mm. it's computing and hugely important job oh massively yeah it's not with nowhere near as romantic yeah do you think exactly. sammy ends up being a product of both of those worlds then because his mum mm. is very talented musical and kind of creative and yeah free but like he sits there on his editing deck and like yeah he's like got figuring out his technical like yeah. pop, popping the film to get the yeah, the guns yeah. he's got effects. his dad's mechanical edge as well yeah exactly it melds together like yeah quite quite well I thought. He's, sort of, he's sort of the mediator between one of the sort of central conflicts between the the parents in that regard isn't he because mm. it's about this battle between creativity and being a, being a realist yeah you know like i think it's something we've had to deal with as we we went off to film school you yeah. know and <laughs> i remember telling my dad i wanted to do it and he would never would have he never would have said said told me not to do it but i could tell he was like why <laughs> you know because it is something that it's risky it's a risky yeah. pursuit and we, you know, we were talking about Kevin Smith before we started the podcast, but he's like the guy that everyone looks to, right? Is the person that's like, mm. bet, you know, bet it all. Yeah, you put all of his chips on red. He put all his chips on number three on the yeah. real board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somehow it all just, ca- you know, he cashed it. It all cashed in for him. But there yeah. are so many people that doesn't work out for. Not to be too yeah. dour, but that's just the, the fact oh, of the business, the you fact of it. reality. You missed a chance to say number thirty-seven. Yeah, I just. I think that you know it's it's very easy for a lot of people, young and old, in in the, the world, to refuse to acknowledge a cultural economy because yeah, it's definitely. so easy to fail and so hard to succeed in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, his dad's just an example of one of those people, and that's not a good or bad thing. It's no. just it just is. It just seems inaccessible, yeah. doesn't it? The same way when you would talk about the process of filmmaking, like so many people probably don't have the first clue about what it's actually like and I don't mean yeah. that as like hey, you don't know because why yeah. would you know if you're not interested why would you know but yeah. like there is a sort of veneer of I don't know there's something that's almost impenetrable about it um, yeah well I mean I, I I think it is impenetrable and that's kind of what film school taught me <laughs> yeah. is that like oh okay this is this is hard I, 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 I personally don't come from much privilege in the world really and so going to film school and realising some people had some already had connections when I yeah yeah when I got there was very kind of like oh okay sure I don't know anyone you know like <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get by on our talent but it does it, it, I I I wonder how he could have critically engaged that point yeah you know mm, what what true. I mean that I suppose he could have had like his little poor mate in it that like wears rags and stuff yeah. and it's like like you know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I agree with you that it wouldn't have probably wouldn't have worked to acknowledge a, a, mm. a privilege and a lack of it i just, i don't know i just at the moment in the moment it's in my criticism though yeah. yeah 
I always, I also thought that uh, the whole idea that all filmmakers have like a eureka moment in their past, which sort of siphons them down the, you know, the the path of becoming a genius. And in this case, it was him watching a train crash from the greatest show on earth. I, I just thought that kind of story gets slightly embellished and kind of gets repeated throughout their careers and like press tours and stuff, uh, <laughs> to the point where maybe they believed it happened. I don't know. <laughs> that that whole thing of like, oh, the first time I watched this film. Do you have was... like one formative moment? Because I would. Not that I'm ever going to be popular enough to be asked that question, but like, you know, like. I'll ask you it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that was basically what I've This whole podcast yeah. is for. After this, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> this question of them jacking it in. But no, can you guys think of one moment that sort of kickstarted your love for the medium? If, if, and yeah. would it. Is it the same. Is your thought process on it the same as it was when you sort of realised this was it? I think the first time I realised. I watched a movie from the perspective of, oh, actually, like, I feel like that's something I'd want to do. Was weirdly enough, I watched School of Rock, Richard Linklater. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the first time I was aware that before. it was a movie. Yeah. Like, in the yeah. way, like, I was nine or something, but I was like, oh my God, this is like a job, basically. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, yeah. I never thought of it before. Like, yeah. I, like it, I, maybe I was just kind of a dumb kid, but like, it just clicked in my head that I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is just all these kids in it are just acting and it's yeah. like a job and it just dawned on me in a weird way and I basically was like yeah I'm going to make films yeah. <laughs> okay. you know from I, that point on I don't have one and that might be why I found it strange okay. uh, I cannot think of one it was a series of films I think uh, I think it was maybe more of a gradual sort of realisation yeah and I think that's it with myself yeah like I, I was obsessed with films and then I at a point I was like oh okay like yeah, yeah. I can't pinpoint personally I can't pinpoint the moment at all uh, no. I started I wanted to make something on holiday and I filmed it and like I didn't even edit it and maybe that might have been a moment but yeah it was more gradual for me and mm. again that might be why I didn't connect too it's much a different era it. as well though like we, yeah. we grew up with the benefit of internet and home video and things like that and yeah spielberg and those those kids of that era they grew up in that kind of golden age of cinema yeah yeah the I greatest it. it's the greatest story ever told is the film right isn't it? yeah so yeah like i mean that is that is one of those prestige kind of like yeah. epics, isn't it so like all of the, I, I imagine all of those kids that did go and watch that movie probably did all have those kind like like a hundred thousand of them did probably have that moment of thinking mm, oh, yeah yeah maker, you know like yeah, because I, I can't. The only thing I can think of that really stuck out at me is when I was, I was playing fetch with my dog in the garden, and I stood in catsick and recalled in horror and banged my head on the corner of a windowsill and started bleeding profusely from my skull. <laughs> oh wow! And I remember my mum plonked me on the sofa, and I'm obviously like, when you're a kid, you're terrified of blood anyway. But when you bleed from your head, you're like, fucking hell, this is bad. That's bad now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I remember watching um, the original Lost World, the 1920s oh, sort of Lost right, World. Okay. Yeah. And I was always really fascinated by those kinds of films, like the stop, not because not necessarily stop motion, that one, but like that kind of technology. Yeah. And that's when I first started thinking, this is incredible that, you know, that this this is a, this is there and I can yeah. watch it and there's someone that's made that. So that's the only time I can think. Well, I wasn't really thinking, I was sort of panicking and bleeding, but I remember, you know, at the same time, it, it kind of stopped me from being so worried. Yeah. And thinking about it in that way. I don't know. I it's do strange. wonder if it's literal as well because, like, he's been careful by calling him Sammy. You know, it, it obviously yeah. it's, his dad did work for IBM, and yeah, you know, they did move eventually move to like Arizona and places like that. Yeah. That is true of Spielberg's life, but the benefit of it not being his life means that it could, it might not have been the greatest story I ever told. It might have just been the most convenient one for the sake of the movie. Because yeah. then ultimately he just uses it as a way to remake the scene. Which yeah. I thought was really clever because yeah. I don't think there was ever a point where I was like, I'm going to remake something. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, remake Jason and the Argonauts on my own. Like. <laughs> I, I wanted to remake The Elephant Man at one point. <laughs> really? But, but anyway. But yeah. like, you you wanted to try and. You watched it and wanted to figure out how it was done, or you wanted to remake it. Like, I, so I, I, quite I wanted to write, I, I wanted to rewrite and. And remake the film The Elephant Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't want to no, no, no. that's, that's really that's a really interesting thing. That's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a really just. How old were you? I was twenty two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thir- thirteen or thirteen. Wow, thirteen year old okay. to want to do that. That's yeah. pretty cool. Like, yeah, yeah. I never tried though like, because I fell on the first hurdle. I was like, I don't have a camera. I don't have any prosthetics. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't have to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, the, the first script I ever 
wrote with yeah. you know with quote marks around it was uh, I wrote a parody script of Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> on Microsoft yeah. Word. Nice. So it was literally yeah. like a like you know like the the play scripts where it's like the uh, names and like because yeah. that was the only script I'd ever seen was the ones you used to get for like school no, plays yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I was just yeah, there, yeah. Times New Roman, like typing this like. <laughs> That's Star lovely, Wars parody. I mean, we laugh about now, but that's lovely, and I think that's such a lovely thing. And I think that's what one of the strengths what makes of the us film. cinema boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's one of the strengths of the film, I think, and how it depicts that, in my view. Well, I, I came out having that feeling of like I, I can remember. Yeah, and yeah. and I remember making yeah. stuff with you guys at university, but with my friends when I was at school mm. and stuff, and like, and 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 that kind of like, like forcing your friends to do stuff is like really embarrassing. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's cringy, but it. it, it he doesn't look at it as an embarrassing thing, no. ultimately because he's Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the films yeah, he makes no. as a kid look fucking awesome, which I think yeah, is yeah. true to what you're saying about yeah. it being a bit fanciful. Yeah, there yeah was, I'd yeah. love to actually see those films. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. hoping it was going to end with some yeah. of his old films with the credits. Yeah, classic, yeah, classic yeah. little technique. One thing I wanted to... Because you just touched on that a little bit before we started like going through a this is your lifestyle <laughs> thing. <laughs> but um, is that you mentioned that... Because um, I thought this as soon as I came out of the cinema. Mm. Um and you mentioned it just now, this idea that back then, you know, kids, you know, that was a formative cultural moment mm. and not just not just for the era, but for the medium. And obviously it's a time where there's less distractions for people. Yeah. Do you think film has the same power now in terms of a kid will sit down? I, I don't want this to turn into the screens everywhere, you know, but, you know, like, you know, like uh, iPads, you know, like, um, but... I know what you mean. But you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. just wonder, because there's so much stuff, like, it's so easy to be overstimulated. I just don't necessarily I, think it's going to be... Do you it's, think- it's not going to be one thing. I, I think kids that are like us that look at things and think, oh, yeah, I want to make that. Like, mm. that is a certain kind of mindset. You know, mm. whether you're succeeding at it or otherwise, mm. you have a kind... You, you're the kind of kid that would have taken something apart yeah. in order to put it back together kind of thing. You know, that's yeah, yeah. what, like... Mm. like we don't have the luxury of like there's just one film that, yeah. that everyone has to go and watch, you know. Yeah, like in the yeah. like even in the seventies, it was Star Wars playing yeah, at the box yeah. office. You yeah. couldn't see anything else, mm, yeah, and people yeah. queued around the corner to watch it. Right? Yeah, I think we had small soldiers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. First, good to see that in Derby. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, in like yeah, like this that that it was like it was like know. a monoculture. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, it, with yeah, music, yeah. it was the Beatles. You right. know, and yeah. like. There were one. There was one band. There was one fucking film. Basically, like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Nowadays, yeah. it's like the, the the kids probably think about like they probably there's probably some kid playing Fortnite, thinking like, how the hell did they make this? And yeah. they're gonna start their journey to like learn yeah. how to make games. I still, yeah. I think it exists, but I just think there's there's so much culture now. Yeah, that it's, yeah. It's not gonna it's not gonna be as it's diluted a bit. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think or, um, multiplexes might be partially to blame. You know, obviously. You know, part of the reason that it was Star Wars and just Star Wars, it was mm. Jaws and just Jaws, mm. was because the buildings were just two, Small. one or two screens yeah. maximum, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was it, and that was how they were structured. Yeah. And they weren't out in the sticks, you know, in a big warehouse. They were in cities and they were in towns mm. and they mm. were part of a community. Yeah. Um, and mm. nowadays, you you know, you have you have more choice, you have more platforms. Mm-hmm. So you've got YouTube, and you've got, and a lot of young people, the younger generation, are gravitating more towards like influencers yeah, and that exactly. kind of content, and less towards films, really. Yeah. Um, so I do think that I don't know if it's a problem because I think it might just be generational and yeah, and maybe you, you never know when people who are 10 now grow up to be 20 they might have more reverence for the cinema than they did when they were younger but yeah there's more to distract you isn't there i think that's yeah i mean like not just with like the different mediums but the different way you can access mediums like you don't Mm. necessarily have to go to the cinema anymore you can just watch it on netflix yeah Yeah. you can literally wait a week in some cases on apple tv yeah so like that's just something I was thinking. I, I, know, I try to refrain from being too negative because I'm not entirely sure how it's going to go. But to me, I just, I guess someone that's nostalgia is definitely influencing this. But I, this concern I have, I think, for, I don't know, the impact of the cinema experience and what offerings are there to sort of generate that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I'm well, this, probably this, being too cynical. This but. relevant to something me and Ben were talking about before we recorded. Uh, but I said I don't really go to the cinema much anymore. Mm. And this is post-COVID. Like, mm. 
it just mm. my attention span is broken you know? like <laughs> I, I wish there was a better excuse I, I, I get up halfway through I need to use the toilet and I I hate not being able to like like to having to leave a film yeah, so yeah. almost to the point that I just oh, I'll just wait till it comes out online you know or like yeah yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and this is coming from someone that used to go to this, like when we did the Ooh. first night of this podcast you know we'd go to the cinema every week yeah yeah and yeah, I yeah. worked in that building yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and me my, as well by the end yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at us now this podcast outlived our time there though which is good so, yeah that's uh, true yeah um <laughs> I don't go to, but like I, I made an, an effort to watch this film in the cinema because it felt like it kind of justified it. And I realised that one of the last films I watched before this was West Side Story, which was Spielberg's previous. Oh film. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Not seen that actually. So. It actually, I thought it was brilliant. You know, okay. like, it's unfortunately marred by the fact that the lead actors kind of got some yeah he's in troubling trouble. allegations to his name, which kind of sort. I didn't know that when I watched it. I was just like, cool, because you mm. know, didn't engage with that element of it but it, I, I actually argue that it does a better job of adapting it than the original film right okay you know, yeah, adapting yeah. the source material it, it's more honest it's more self-reflective and it and it, it, it feels like a good counterpoint to this movie in the okay. sense that it's a kind mm. of he made it for his parents like yeah. clearly oh, yeah, you know like that, that's what I get from it but it's anyway so, it's so effortless as well I mean like at this point in his career like the, the first way musical the though, the first time he's made a musical film it's kind of mad because he's yeah. such a choreographed filmmaker right like yeah yeah his big his, the famous one shots of just like tracking yeah. along the beach and jaws and stuff like that like often overlooked as well like his yeah. his oneers is a great one in indiana jones that nobody remembers because birdman came out and everyone thought that was the first time it happened yeah, yeah. Of course. yeah. <laughs> so that became like a marketing it's a marketing thing now isn't yeah, it? yeah 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 um, yeah no it's really interesting I, I i just think it's a really interesting point because yeah, the landscape is changing a lot and there are a lot more things that can distract us. And I'd speak honestly about myself. Like, I love films. I'd always say film is my number one medium of choice. Yeah. But, mm. but you could argue video games, way. man, take up so much of my time yeah. if I let yeah. them. And You could argue yeah. we're all DVD slash VHS yeah. era film Home cinema students, was right? huge like, for me. That's I, predominantly where I watch films. I, I had a video shop around the corner we used to just go and buy. Yeah, yeah. The, that does the sort of spectacle. It made, it made it an event, didn't it? Yeah. And I think we're losing that. And I, I, don't want to get I think it's different now. I think you get kids just watch thousands and thousands. Like you get these letterbox kids that just have like f- ridiculous numbers of films. Yeah, that makes me like, feel so depressed. Because <laughs> <laughs> all they do is watch. Yeah, they yeah, got like three screens at a yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh no, how could you take it? But you know, fair play to you. Yeah. But. but they'll be the next one. You know, they'll be making the next. Yeah, they'll be the next Spielberg is somewhere in there, like you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Maybe best not to be too cynical about it. <laughs> well, they're just high. A twenty four have just hired a seventeen year old YouTuber to make a movie. So, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. They're really flexing their muscles, aren't they? Now a twenty four, they're just banging them out, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> that is a gamble. That is. It, it is might pay off though. You never know. Yeah. 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 It's those back rooms videos. It's a tangent. Sorry. I'm, I'm no, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, those. They're like those weird things where it's like. It's like limnic spaces. Yeah, like liminal spaces and like liminal. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Limerick, did you say? I said li- limnic. <laughs> Sounds like a surname. Limerick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the kind of Irish riddle. Yeah. <laughs> liminal. Yeah, I know. Which, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> the, the, some kid that makes those. They're giving him a film. I've seen some of those. They are quite smart, to be fair. Yeah, they're like yeah. just Blender and stuff, right? A lot of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, weird mm. shit. But um, lots of cross media into you know mm. stuff going on, isn't it? A twenty four's whole yeah, thing, whole stick, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, more back to fable ones. We're barely even talking about it. <laughs> but I think it's the film that kind of spurs that kind of discussion because, like, mm. it is about art and it is about like what you sacrifice to be to create and also what what it means to to make things and stuff like mm-hmm. that and 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 it does. As some as people that are creatives, you should reflect on that, right? Because mm. it feels like it's made for that. It's not a, not a commercial success. This movie, and no, it's, not, it's my... not such a shame. A lot of his recent films haven't it's made really any quiet, money. Isn't I it? don't think him. I don't think he's making them for, to to, to bring in the big. The moment, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, he's done that. Um, yeah, he's had the hits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He doesn't prove anything to anyone, does he? Really? No. But no, I think that's interesting. So overall, a good discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, think so. I yeah. mean, it's interesting that. Maybe Ben, you're a bit more critical of it. Yeah, I do think it's partially down to the circumstances in which I went to see it. I might have just not been in the right were you, were you naked? frame of mind. I was, yeah. I mean, I got kicked out for the first ten minutes, so I had to read the synopsis. And I was like, this, this sounds like a self-congratulating piece of shit. Yeah. No, yeah. Just typing it as you're being dragged yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> doing a voice note. Yeah, yeah. No, Stop I, pulling. <laughs> I think you you guys have actually warned me to it a little bit more, and it. I, and I, I think will you've maybe made me be mm. a bit more critical of it as well. So yeah, yeah. It just um, that I mean, there were certain aspects of it I really did like. Like I say, the whole the whole handling of the the family and and the, the kind of deconstruction of the family, and I also liked uh, just really briefly. Mm. Kind of want to say, I also really liked how there was no catching the cheating lover moment. Oh yeah, because I really thought that was on the cards, yeah. and that the way he um, presented that was so much more graceful. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, by the time that they sit down together, one of the best scenes, in my opinion, is when they sit down together and watch the film reel of him on the camping trip. Yeah. And, oh, because I thought that's what was going to come up. Yeah, thought, same. Yeah. But it was so slow and so retrospective in the way that he, I. I he yeah. takes it out of the film and he gives mm. them the fantasy instead, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, that's Ooh. it. Oh, Fablemans. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Great film. Go. And Michelle mm. Williams, I thought, was superb. I mean, she was yeah, great in it. You can yeah. never not write, you know, you can't write her off ever, can you? No. Not you ever should, but she was she's wonderful. Though. One of my favourite actresses working at the moment. And mm. again, just showing that range, that ability yeah. to play that sort of kind, caring, you know, thoroughly kind of... decent human being, just to, but who's got. Demons. She's a bit, a bit mad, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah there yeah, was yeah. A, the scene when she got the call from her mum that yeah. just died. Oh. I genuinely was thought. I thought, mum, was like, Spielberg's mum like insane or something? And they're yeah, going to go in this yeah, like yeah. she's schizophrenic yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Hearing voices, <laughs> but that was a really like interesting dreamlike kind of yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good, good stuff. Yeah, good overall. Mm. Questing the cinematic void. Well, there we have it then. Another uh, fruitful endeavour, I mm. think. Thank you so much for coming back, Alfie. That's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> that's the first time we've done it in a while. But yeah, thanks for keeping it. it. Thanks for keeping the Cineboy's dream alive. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, it's always burning for you, baby. <laughs> we'll get you back very soon. Uh, next week, uh, we are going to be watching and then discussing mm. Ant Man: Quantum Mania. Quantum Mania. Ant Man and the Wasp: Colon Quantum Mania. Uh, <laughs> so we haven't done a Marvel film yet. We did a couple, didn't we, back in the original run. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I feel like my opinion of them has changed quite a lot. I was where I was. We did N- mm, Infinity you, War. You, you did. did. You did Endgame. That was the last one you you two did. I did. Yeah. Oh yeah, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My opinion. I was always a bit more. I was always aware of the problems of Marvel's dominance, uh, even back then. Uh, but now I'm. I find them quite grating now. So I think my yeah. opinion has changed, and mm. and I was a bit reluctant to discuss a film like this. But it feels apt given the the way the films have been received yeah. and the position of the film in terms of spawning the next generation, which yeah. I think is having problems with by the looks of things. Yeah, yeah, it does look like it. Look, Looks like it's going in a downwards trajectory somewhat. Oh, maybe. There we go. We might both love it. Both <laughs> yeah. were like, this is great. Like, yeah. I'm, re- I'm back in. Like, yeah. I, I have heard that Jonathan Majors is supposed to be really, it's like, he's like the best thing about it. Okay. Kang, but he's a good actor. Yeah. yeah, he's Kang, yeah. I mean, they did sort of, it t- tend to, I mean, the villain thing is a bit of an issue for them, but when they get it right, it tends to be the best thing. Like if you think about like Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther yeah, and yeah, Thanos, yeah. he's one of the better things. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, well, uh, thank you for listening as always. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to Alfie again. Mm. And uh, we will see you again soon. See you soon. Love you, bye. Bye. <laughs>